I'll be out running or riding my bike and for example, I'll, I'll go along certain places where there's a bus stop and I'll see, you know, elderly, you know, women at the bus stop and I go running or riding past and they literally start cheering for me going, brava, brava, you know, and they just like, they think it's so cool that you're out getting fit and being active. And I love that because I'm thinking like, maybe I just inspired this grandmother, you know what I mean, to do something. Hi, everyone. You've tuned in to the Active Towns podcast, conversations about creating a culture of activity in our communities. My name is John Zimmerman. I'm the founder of the Active Towns Initiative and your humble host during this podcast journey. Welcome. It's so wonderful to have you along for the ride. Today, I'm delighted to bring you a special episode featuring Holly Bennett, a world traveler, endurance athlete, and remote worker extraordinaire. She shares her story of personal transformation, commitment to active living, and some of the amusing things that happen to her when she's out running and riding. I think you'll find it to be quite inspiring and helpful. But first, a little commercial. This episode is being brought to you by the monthly contributions of our Patreon supporters and you, our one-time generous donors. Thank you. I simply cannot produce this podcast without your support. If you are in a position to help, I've included all the appropriate links in the show notes to this episode, or you can just head over to our website right now at activetowns.org. We also have a donate button on our Facebook page if that's more convenient. Okay, with that bit of business out of the way, please enjoy my conversation with Holly. This is John with the Active Towns Initiative, and I am delighted to have here online Holly Bennett. Holly, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. This is my first ever experience on a podcast, so I'm thrilled it can be with you. Yay, that's awesome. Why don't we just kind of pause a second here and uh, take an opportunity to tell folks who you are, just real quick, a little bit of your background. And then we'll get to that photo that you posted on Facebook that prompted me to reach out to you. And so we'll get to that in, in a little bit. But uh, first, who is Holly? Well, I'm a longtime endurance athlete and I would say active lifestyle enthusiast. I uh, have a long background in triathlon racing and running, swimming, cycling for fun and for competition. Most of my career has also been in the sports and fitness industry in various ways, be it sales, marketing, public relations, and that type of thing. So I've been really lucky in that regard to sort of, you know, merge my professional and personal passions. And I also am a very, very avid international traveler. So that's one of the main things that I love to do. Obviously, right now, I am grounded, <laughs> not doing that due to the COVID situation, but I'm certainly longing for it again and look forward to a time when the world in general opens back up. Right, right. So uh, speaking, let's go ahead and stay on that theme. So you're, you're a passionate international traveler. You, you had mentioned to me that you do a lot of remote work. So let's talk a little bit about that too. So, and did you have a trip that you were supposed to be embarking on that you had to uh, pause or cancel? Uh not yet. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. So I, yeah, currently 
I work for Sundessa, better known as Blender Bottle Company. Blender Bottle is our flagship brand, and we're really a house of brands. We have Blender Bottle, we have a brand called Avana, another called Awala, and another called Whiskware. I started working for the company when I was working freelance. And so I did some projects and soon led to more projects. And over time, my work morphed into a full-time role, but I've always been a remote employee. And prior to that, I worked freelance for probably 10 years. So I really couldn't envision ever going back to a regular office situation. So Holly, what you're really saying here is that working from home and working in unusual, you know, non-traditional platforms, you, this, you're a veteran at this. Yeah, this is really normal to me. I mean, it is strange, though, still not to have just interact more human interactions. I mean, I obviously by by virtue of the fact that I work remotely, I spend a lot of time alone. Okay, and a lot of my work is writing. So I, you know, writers tend to be sort of insular and introverted, and I'm definitely that way in some ways. But I'm also a very social person in some ways, and I love you know, just the interactions that I have day to day at the market, at a coffee shop or, you know, things like that. And so it's very strange right now. I'm missing that for sure. In terms of my work environment. Yeah. I mean, I really thrive working remotely. I know it's not for everyone. I have colleagues right now who I know don't enjoy working from home. I have other ones who I know love it, you know? And so I think people are experiencing this anew, finding what works and what doesn't for them. I have, not to go off on too far of a tangent, but one of my hopes for one of the positives of this whole pandemic, because no matter how great the tragedy, there's always some positives, right? I really do hope that there's somewhat of a shift in terms of corporate cultural thinking to understand that it really is possible to work remotely and that a lot of people do thrive and a lot of companies can thrive in that situation because I find so much happiness in it, so much freedom, you know, that flexibility allows me to do so much. And in turn, it makes me, it makes me much better at my job and just a much happier, less stressed person in life. I would say the last couple of years, I've really taken full advantage of the meaning of remote, not working just from, you know, a home office in the US, but traveling really extensively. I should probably back up and say that in the past, I was working as a journalist, primarily in the triathlon industry. And in that capacity, I had many, many, many opportunities to travel abroad, mostly to go to destination races as an invited member of the media. You know, I was able to travel in ways that I never would have had the opportunity to do just on my own. I raced in mind-blowingly beautiful locations. You know, I was able to report on the races, report on the pro field, write travel pieces on the destinations, and just, you know, really try to maximize the value of my being there for the organization and also make the most of it for myself. So that really just fueled this passion that I had for travel. And once I stopped doing that, since then I've been able to travel more personally, but still take my profession with me, if that makes sense. And, and, and so in the past two years, in 2018, I spent four months in Europe. I came back to the States for about four months. And then I spent another nine months there last year going into early 2020. So I just returned at the end of January. And so I've been back and I don't really know what's going to happen next because, you know, the 
so much is um, unknown right now. I do have plans to return to Croatia, which is a place where I, I call it my second home. I mean, it really is, you know, I've, I've really become a member of the community in this small fishing village on an island where I've stayed the last two summers. I have every hope and intention of going back later this summer, and I'm optimistic that will be possible, but obviously need to see how things go with the pandemic situation. Yeah, yeah. It will. I think it'd be fun for us to do a little compare and contrast between what that environment is like there in that little fishing village and where you're at currently. So currently you're in Scottsdale, Arizona, you know, essentially a suburb of, of Phoenix. And your photo that you posted to Facebook, which caught my attention, was a fun little uplifting, cheery photo of a bike. Now, triathletes, you know, frequently take photos of their bike and put them out on social media. And and I know you, but I don't know you. You know, we have, I don't know, 150, you know, some odd mutual quote unquote Facebook friends that are endurance athlete, triathlete sort of related situations. So that that's that's the premise. That's sort of the setup to this is you posted a photo of a bike, but it wasn't your most recent, you know, slick triathlon time trial bike. It was a really cool cafe cruiser, felt cafe cruiser. Tell us the story behind that post and that bike. Yeah, well, you know, I, I got that bike several years ago when I was living in Boulder and you know, I just, I mean, I had a tri bike at the time that I loved very much, but I wanted just a, you know, a, a kind of cool cruiser towny type bike to ride around on the paths and just kind of for transport. And I got this bike from Felt. I can't remember if the exact model is called Cafe Cruiser, but it's something like that. I mean, it has a coffee cup holder, you know, on the handlebars. And, and it's, you know, it's not like a beach cruiser. I mean, it, it has gears and it has handbrakes. So it, you know, it has a little more, you know, oomph to it than just a single speed coaster brake bike, but it's just really cool. It's very kind of retro looking and I, I love the thing. So last year before I left for my nine month venture, I, you know, in part because I needed some money to fund the trip and in part because I really had no need for these things. I sold my tri bike, not meaning that I was saying goodbye to the sport forever, but just knowing that it would probably be a little while until I raced again. And when I did, it might be time for a new tri bike. And I sold my car. And that was a pretty easy decision. <laughs> you know, there was just no point in leaving it sitting around and paying for it and whatnot. And the timing was good. My family members needed a, a new car at the time. So that was a pretty easy sale and it's still in the family. So I, I went off on this journey. And now that I'm back, I'm staying in Phoenix, the Phoenix area in Scottsdale for a few months. I don't, I'm not ready to settle down here, you know, permanently or anywhere for that matter. So you know, and I, and I would like to travel more. So there doesn't, it doesn't really make sense to me to buy a new car at this point. I did rent one when I first came back, but given the sort of stay home orders, there's very little reason for having one. And I had my cafe cruiser in storage. So I pulled that out, returned to the rental car. I actually drove out to the airport in Phoenix with my cafe cruiser and returned the rental car and then rode back from the airport, which was 
I don't know, probably 30, 40 miles or something. And, and I mean, I have to say, in normal circumstances, I might not have chosen to do that. But right now, there's almost no one going to and from the airport. So there's not a lot of traffic to deal with, right? So it was pretty easy to kind of maneuver around and get where I needed to go. And yeah, I, I mean, the exact distance, it was maybe it was closer to 30. I don't want to, you know, unnecessarily exaggerate, but it was a long ride, you know. But having that bike is just, I love it. I mean, for any of us who are, you know, into fitness, this is a hard time, right? Like, no matter how much we can get out and about, it seems like our normal routines are interrupted. For, for me, for example, I, I would do anything to get in a lap pool right now. And it's just not possible. And, and even just going to the gym, you know, I, I have a mishmash of home workout equipment. But the truth is, I'm just not as motivated as when I can go to the gym and do it there, you know, try as I might. So being in a place where the weather's good and being able to run outside and ride this bike are just, they're what's keeping me sane right now. And, you know, so the bike, I outfitted it with this awesome set of grocery panniers from the Banjo Brothers. I did some research and they had exactly what I wanted, which was just an open set of panniers. They're basically like fabric baskets that fit grocery size bags. And I've had in the past, because I do have, and this is another thing we can talk about, I have some extensive experience cycle touring years and years and years ago before I ever discovered triathlon. And I've had panniers that waterproof and weatherproof and have all sorts of, you know, cinch cords and straps and buckles and closures. And I didn't want that at all because honestly, I find that a little bit annoying. I just wanted simple panniers that were like fit with my bike. I can just throw my, throw my bag in and be on my way and have my stock of celery or lettuce sticking out the back. And it's kind of fun. So yeah, I, I use the bike for my trips to the grocery store. I use it just to cruise around and get some exercise. And I, I use it also to go to my family. So my brother and my sister-in-law and their kids live about 15 miles from where I am now. And they're kind enough to let me use their address for my mail. So I have mail to pick up over there. And we, you know, we've all been taking the stay home protocol seriously and doing our part in quarantining and limiting our access to other people. So between us, we figure we're in the same germ circle, so to speak. And so we do allow ourselves some time to see each other. So probably once a week, I ride over to their house and say hi, pick up my mail, you know, pet the dog and ride back. (laughs) So it's really, uh, it's just great exercise. And it, you know, you know, as a triathlete or former triathlete, Typically, when you go on a ride, there's a training goal, right? It's, it's either a long ride or a short ride with intervals, or you're trying to hit certain mileage for the week. And, you know, you don't do a whole lot of like, just riding along, right? And this bike is all about just riding along. It's, it's so great. <laughs> and you, the joy in your tone of your post that you put out on Facebook of you know, saying, hey, look, I got these really great new panniers from Banjo Brothers. This is awesome. I'm so excited. The reason why that caught my attention is many years ago, we started noticing that there was a uh, oftentimes a big disconnect between the serious cycling, recreational cycling, athletes, triathletes, and uh, people who actually ride their bike 
uh, from from a utilitarian perspective, use their bike to get places and go places. And you had mentioned that you sold your car and it was kind of an easy decision. Yeah, it was a practical decision based on sort of the, you know, the financial situation that you were in and you were going to be, it didn't make sense to be paying that. But it also sort of made it easy because it points back to another fact about you. You didn't start driving until quite late in life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really learned to drive a car when I was 26 years old. And the reason I learned then was because I wanted to take a road trip with a friend. And it didn't seem fair that she would have to do all the driving. Most kids in the US, at least, learn to drive when they're in high school. And I went to a boarding school for high school. So there really wasn't an option to have a car at school. They did have driver's ed classes, but we would usually ditch and go hang out in the woods and, you know, not, not do the driver's ed class. So I, you know, and when on my school vacations during that time, my father lived in the Boston area. So there you just take public transportation. And my mother lived in a small town in Northern New Mexico in Taos. And I I would spend my summers there, but you know, my friends had cars. So there was just no need. And, and I really, I, I mean, honestly, it scared me. I mean, I was petrified of driving when I started. I would literally have like a panic attack anytime I had to merge onto the freeway. I mean, I hated it, you know. Now, I mean, I'm totally comfortable driving and, I, and I'm not anti-car. I mean, I, I love the convenience of having a car at the times when it makes sense for me. But I do... I guess this love of bicycles was really ingrained early on too. You know, I, for my high school graduation, my father gave me a mountain bike and, you know, that those were my wheels, <laughs> you know, and I, I went to college in Santa Cruz, California. So it's an area that's really easy to ride around. And, and I did, I mean, I rode everywhere. If, if I couldn't ride there, I didn't go, you know, so back then I was doing what I'm doing now. I, I would get my groceries on my bike. I would do, I did everything on my bike. And I even started, um, I had some other friends who were really into cycling there and we did some trips, you know, uh, we went to San Francisco and I remember I had a good friend in Palo Alto and if I wanted to go visit him, I would ride my bike over, you know, and I might stay the weekend and ride back. And so it was really just a cool way to get around. And then I actually, in 1992, my first ever trip out of the U.S. actually was with my boyfriend at the time. We took a four-month trip to Central America with our bikes. So we we spent a month in Guatemala, a month in Belize, and two months in Costa Rica bike touring. And we had zero itinerary except for halfway through, we had a flight from Guatemala to Costa Rica. So we biked all around Guatemala and Belize went back to the airport in Guatemala and then flew to Costa Rica. And I I wouldn't necessarily say that Guatemala is a bike touring paradise. Um, I don't know nowadays. At the time, it might have not been the best choice. I mean, there was a lot of guerrilla activity in Guatemala at the time. And so while we were there, there were plenty of times where we had to throw our bikes on top of these buses. You know, like you can picture sort of the overloaded buses with things tied on top and people and chickens and, you know, all of this. And you add our bikes and our panniers to that mix, you know, I mean, it was just, we would have to ask locals, okay, we want to get from this town to this next town. You know, this is the stretch we can 
reasonably ride in one day. Is that safe? And they would say, yes, it's fine. Or no, somebody was shot on that road yesterday. In that, in which case we would go on the bus. But during that trip, I mean, so it was four months of riding almost every day. You know, sometimes, I mean, we, we would ride, it might be 15, 20, 30 miles. It might be 70, 80 miles. Some days we would stay in a location that we liked for a few days, you know, on a beach or something. And, but we would, we were always doing something active and fitness oriented. We might go running or hiking or swimming or just riding around for pleasure. And it, it was a total life-changing experience for me. I mean, in, in a number of ways, because obviously it instilled a love of somewhat off the beaten path, adventurous travel. It was also just, it's really when my life flipped into one where I have since and always will, as long as I'm able, be active and fit and embrace that as part of my lifestyle. I mean, you know, I, I played soccer growing up. I did, you know, various sports, but I wasn't like a jock by any means, you know, and this trip, I mean, I, you know, like a lot of young women, I had struggled with body image issues. You know, I lacked a lot of confidence in that regard. And, and it, it just changed me. I mean, riding a bike every day, just becoming so strong and so fit and so capable and confident. I, it completely changed my life. And I, I mean, I always remember this because I bought my first ever bikini on that trip, you know, and it was like, <laughs> for me before that, that would be unheard of. I would never, I was like, you know, cover me up, big baggy, dark clothing, you know, <laughs> and it was just, I just felt so good. And it, it, it changed my life. And soon after that, soon after I returned was actually when I first heard about triathlon and became curious about that and, and got into racing. After this very brief intermission, Holly shares with us a few logistical tips she has for shopping by bike, talks about living on and working remotely from a tiny island in Croatia, and what it's like living in her current temporary location of Scottsdale, Arizona. Before we get to that, though, just a quick reminder for you to check out the show notes on our website for helpful links to all the cool stuff that Holly talks about in the episode, including some amazing photos from her little island paradise. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to and rate the Active Towns podcast on the listening platform of your choice. That really helps a lot. And finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please, please, please do share it with at least one friend or colleague or several. Our audience is growing worldwide, and I'd love to keep this conversation and the momentum to create a culture of activity rolling along. Okay, that's it for this break. Let's get back to our conversation with Holly. Yeah, you touched upon a couple of things that are really, really, I think, important points to bring up, especially given the the status we're in right now. And the one point that you brought up is that how good that made you feel, being active and starting to feel the build the strength and feel the confidence. And it really reemphasizes that uh, as humans, we really are born to be active. Any advice or any tips that you might have? Yeah, you know, it, it's so interesting because 
obviously it depends a lot on where you live and, you know, what the environment is around you. You know, for example, where I am right now, it's, it's really not a place that a lot of people walk. In certain parts of Phoenix, there are like there are areas where there's these wonderful paths along the canals and people are out walking and running and riding. But for example, where I am in Scottsdale, I mean, it's, it's sort of like one big giant strip mall, you know, and, and it's, it's really geared towards car traffic. And it's a very different type of city feel to cities in Europe. So for me, when I travel, I mean, I walk everywhere. And I, I mean, I don't really think of it as exercise. Like I'll go out for a workout first and then I'll walk to do whatever I need to do on any given day. I mean, it was really only in the last year that I st- realized I had that tracker on my iPhone, right? To tell me how much I'd been walking. But when I started looking at it, I realized like on a slow day, I'm walking like five miles. On a big day, I'm walking like 15 miles. And it really, it's kind of eye-opening, especially like I've never, I've never really thought of myself as a city person, right? I've always, you know, cause I prefer to be like around, you know, nature and fresh air and whatnot. And yet on this trip, I spent a lot of time in cities and those were some of the times where I was the most fit because I was just walking everywhere. And I, as a traveler, one of my favorite things to do is just go wander around and get lost. So whether that's, through running and exploring neighborhoods, you know, biking around and exploring them, or just walking. And if it's in a big um, city, like say Florence or Rome or Barcelona or something, it's usually walking because to me that makes the most sense in terms of a way to get around. And I just love to get lost, like just go out, walk, like the best day ever to me would be go for a run or swim in the morning as, you know, exercise and then (laughs) spend the rest of the day wandering, not knowing where I'm going and, you know, stop off here and there to grab a snack or check out a store or get a glass of wine or whatever and just walk, 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 walk. You see so much more, you experience so much more. And that's just a part of European culture to such a great extent. And so I try to hold that with me when I come back to the States. And anytime I need to go out, I think, okay, could I walk there? Could I bike there? Do I need to drive there? Do I, you know, and, and if you can walk, it just, you just feel good. You know, you, you, you do, you get that fresh air, you get that experience, you slow down a bit, you know, you're not stressing out in traffic or hopefully not having people honk at you or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's just, it's just pleasant. So you don't have to be doing hardcore workouts to be an active lifestyle person. You know what I mean? You don't have to be an athlete. Just walking is going to enhance your life and enhance your health to some degree and probably a great degree. So I would say if you can walk, why not? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 we do go out of our way with the Active Towns Initiative to reinforce that active lifestyle and active mobility is it's not just about exercise. Exercise and working out is certainly a part of what an active lifestyle is. But the reality is, is that there's the opportunity to get sort of free bonus points of physical activity just by going out for a walk or going out for that utilitarian bike ride. So let me ask you a question for 
those who were really inspired by your post and how excited you were about your bike with the new panniers and all that, any advice you would give to them in terms of logistics of how you do it? And because it, it can be scary. What advice would you have for them? I suppose right now is not exactly the best time to say go out in groups, right? You know, typically it's a it's a fun thing to do with friends, for example. But one bonus right now is that there's very little traffic on the roads in most places. Biking can be scary and, you know, there's no way around the fact that there are car versus bike accidents everywhere and that that's frightening and a bit of a turnoff. But this is a good time to start getting comfortable riding, right? Because there is not a lot of traffic out there. I typically don't recommend riding on sidewalks because I feel like, well, number one, you don't want to ride through the pedestrians, but also I feel like cars oftentimes notice you more if you're riding in a bike lane as opposed to on a sidewalk. They might make a turn into something and not see you. But right now, you know, everything's a bit different. So there are probably a lot of places where you could practice on the sidewalk, in the in the bike lane, you know, or on a road that doesn't necessarily have a bike lane, but has enough space. Make yourself visible, which I actually, at the encouragement of my brother, the other day, I added a blinky light <laughs> to the back of my bike, you know, just a red blinky light on the rear. I got one from Night Eyes and they're awesome because they just... They have like little rubber twisty ties so you can add it to any spot on your bike. And it just adds visibility so that if there are drivers, they notice you, you know, they're more likely to notice you. And but you do as a cyclist have a right to be on the road. You know, you're a moving vehicle and it's okay that you're not going as fast as a car is, you know, just go as fast as you're comfortable and or find a a bike path or a trail where where there's no traffic and just get out and try it. You know, you don't need, I mean, yeah, you can get a crazy fancy bike, but you can borrow a bike from someone. You can get, you know, really inexpensive bikes at places like Target and Walmart and Costco, you know, or you can go to your local bike shop. And I mean, really, that would be the best place to get the right bike for your level, you know, depending where you are and and the best bike fit for you. So that's another thing is, you know, if a bike fits you well, it's going to be more comfortable and you're going to spend more time on it, right? It's just a matter of what stores are open these days. But I would say whatever you can get your hands on, just get outside and try it. Because, you know, I feel like once you try these things, you really, you just, you get stuck on them and you just don't want to give it up. So specifically, let's talk about getting groceries. Any tips on on how to go about doing that? I have like a couple of reusable grocery bags. So I know if I fill those up, I can fit them in my panniers. If I buy extra, you know, then that's where I'm in trouble, you know, but if I need more than that, I can also wear a backpack, right? So then that adds more space, but you know, I I don't really need that much. So let's say it's going to fit in the panniers and you know, you want to balance the load, right? So that you don't want to put like a huge heavy grocery bag on one side of your bike because it's it's going to be a challenge to ride that way. So, I mean, whether it's groceries or anything you're carrying in your panniers, try to balance the load. And it it's honestly, it's kind of nice because it, it, it's sort of when your bike is heavy and laden with things, it kind of slows you down and you're just kind of, it's a good workout, <laughs> you know, but you're also, you know, you're just kind of like powering along and you want to be a little cautious when you have to stop and put your foot down because the weight can cause you to tip a little more one way or the other, but it's, you just get a feel for it and it's really nice. And, you know, you just, I just go lock up my bike outside the grocery store. I leave the panniers on my bike and, 
you know, you can, but they're really easy to take off if you want to carry them in. That's another thing you can do is just carry them in the store. Actually, the ones that I have come with shoulder straps. So you can turn them into your, you know, shoulder bags while you're in the store. I just, I tend to leave them on the bike, but it's just a matter of personal preference. Yeah. Good, good, good tips there. Let's talk a little bit about that little fishing village and compare and contrast it to the uh, environment that you're in now. Yeah. So this is, um, it's a small place. It's, so the, it's an island called Korchula, which is in the Adriatic Sea in the Dalmatian region of Croatia. It's about a two hour ferry ride from either major city you'd fly into, which is either Dubrovnik or Split. And the, the village on the island where I stay, the village is called Lombarda. And it's quite small, but it's quite active with tourists in the summertime. It's, it's just a wonderful little paradise. And they did actually a few years ago, I've been going there for several years now. So I started out just going for like a week on a vacation. And like I said, the last two summers, I spent three months each there. And in the past few years, they actually added a bike path along. There's a, there's a road that leads from Lombarda to the quote unquote city of Korchula. It's a, you know, sweet little town. So there's one single road and there are a lot of people cycling around in the summertime. There's bike rentals, there's bike tour groups, all sorts of things like that. And they added a bike path to one stretch of the road, which was, you know, more traffic. So that was really nice. I mean, it's an island paradise, right? So it's really easy to be active. There's places to run, places to ride, places to swim, the sea, <laughs> places, you know, stand up paddle boarding. You know, I use stand up paddle boarding as transportation there as well. There's a whole little archipelago of islands and I have explored them all now on a paddleboard. And there's nowhere you, you'd want to go that you can't really get to on your own. I mean, there are, there's also a great infrastructure of public transportation. There's a bus that runs back and forth between the village and and to some other spots on the island. And it's very inexpensive and very friendly. And there's also taxis. There's no Uber there yet, but there are t- taxis. So if the bus stops running at a certain point at night, so if you've gone further afield out to dinner or something and need to get home, you can either walk or ride in the dark or take a taxi. Or The interesting thing, though, is that I would say the local population they don't, it's not fitness oriented in the way that we are here, right? People are very active in that they walk around and do things and they farm and garden. You know, agriculture is a big thing there in addition to tourism. You know, everybody has olive orchards and vineyards. So, you know, there's a lot of that going on, but, and everyone, people really enjoy the sea. They love getting into the water and swimming around and so forth, but not necessarily in the, you know, in a workout sort of way. But one thing that I really love, which strikes me as very different than here, is I'll be out running or riding my bike. And for example, I'll, I'll go along certain places where there's a bus stop and I'll see, you know, elderly, you know, women at the bus stop. And I go running or riding past and they literally start cheering for me going, brava, brava, you know, and they just like, they think it's so cool that you're out getting fit and being active. And I love that because I'm thinking like, maybe I just inspired this grandmother, you know what I mean? To do something. It's really cool. Whereas, and, and, you know, I had the same experience when I was in Greece I, earlier this year or last year, I also spent a month on a very small Island in Greece. And anytime I would go out the door, I mean, the, the, the Island is so hilly. So like to go on a run 
every single run started with two to three miles straight uphill. And from there, you could either go down or back up or, you know, it was just hills everywhere. And I was running all over the place. And so I would see these like delivery driver guys, you know, and they'd, they'd pass me like multiple times through their routes and the same thing. They'd like stop and cheer. I had one guy who lived in the same village where I lived. And anytime he saw me, he would pull up his little car alongside me and roll down the window and just drive along with me as I was running, just being like, good job, go, bravo, bravo. You know, it's just like, it's so cool. Right. Whereas, you know, sometimes you're out here on a bike and car comes up and honks at you to get out of their way, right? I just want to say to people, no, you should be proud of me for being active. You should want to do the same. So yeah, yeah, it is a different, I don't know, just a sort of different outlook. Yeah. So how are you keeping your competitive spirit alive these days? When I travel, I try to race if, if I can, like I'll do running races. You know, I did a couple races overseas last year, that, that type of thing. But but yeah, I mean, I'm not doing like the kind of training that I used to do triathlon wise. And, and on my cafe cruiser, it's quite funny because typically I'm just cruising around, but there are times, I mean, I, I don't, I don't ride slow on purpose. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, I might just be riding around enjoying it, or sometimes I might want to go a little faster, but you know, I get on these bike paths here and, you know, there's a mix of people out there and there's, there's other people on cruiser bikes or mountain bikes, but there's, you know, there's a fair share of roadies and triathletes. And it is funny because I had the other day, I had a guy pull ahead of me on his road bike and it was very evident that he was pulling to the front of the sort of variety of cyclists that were there because he was in the, I guess, you know, sort of the alpha cyclist position. Right. But he wasn't going very fast. (laughs) So, which is fine. But I was like, no, I really think I need to go faster than you right now. So I did. And he definitely seemed a little shocked for me to be passing him on my cruiser with my panniers. But please, please tell, please tell me you had groceries in the pannier too. (laughs) I don't, I don't think I had groceries. I think I had some packages that I had picked up at my brother's house. (laughs) But, and I, so I, I'll have to tell you about the, another experience I made a post about that you noticed the other day. And it's just comical, right? Because I mean, so we all make assumptions of people, right? I mean, we can't help it, right? I think it's just human nature that like you see people in certain situations, whether they're wearing something or doing something, or, I mean, we make assumptions, just, that's just the way it is. So I was riding and I had actually been out for quite some time and I had my panniers, you know, and I was, I was not, I think I had on a cotton tank top and a pair of running shorts and my bike has platform pedals, you know, I'm in a little pair of Adidas trainers, you know, for my footwear. Anyway, I I stopped at a light and I kind of heard a cyclist stop behind me. And it was just kind of one of these situations where somebody says something to you and like, you know, you're totally confused as to why they said it or what they meant. And it kind of takes a little while for it to register as to what they were actually getting at. So he said, he just, out of the blue, he just said, oh, oh, you realize you have this incredible tailwind, right? And so I turned around and I looked at him. I was just, just kind of smiled and said, oh, okay, thanks. You know, like I didn't really, I, I was like, what, why is he saying that? And then he was like, yeah, you know, he's like, did you, did you come from this direction? Meaning had I come the same way that he had come, which I had because I was, you know, in front of him, you know, 
he was like, yeah. He's like, well, there's, this is a major headwind. It's going to be a major headwind on the way back. It's going to be really hard to ride into that. And uh, I was just realizing like, and and I said to him, no, oh, actually, because I, I was actually returning home. I had gone that apparently into the major headwind on my way out and was coming back. But I just said, okay, well, I'm actually on my way home now. I mean, I, I originally came that way. And he's like, oh, okay, good, good. And he went by me and I realized he's telling me this because he thinks I'm not going to be able to ride into the wind, you know, <laughs> like, I, you know, and I don't know if it's because I'm female or because I don't really look like much of a cyclist, you know, traditional cyclist at the moment, but he actually thinks I'm going to have a hard time riding into the headwind. And I mean, I just couldn't help but laugh. But honestly, the funniest thing about the situation was there was barely any wind at all. So there, you know, it was this big, long boulevard where there's these trees with like long hanging fronds, you know, and they were just barely rustling. So it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, I mean, yes, the competitive part of me wanted to, you know, bust a move and catch up to him and say, you know, let me tell you about the conditions I've ridden in in the past. And let me tell you about my athletic experience. But no, I didn't do that. Yeah. So people definitely don't take you seriously as a cyclist when you're on a cruiser type bike. And that's okay. <laughs> so, Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Holly, any final uh, thoughts? Any Anything else you'd like to share? Gosh, I just, you know, I, I just appreciate you having me on. I appreciate the work that you're doing because I, I have never really been an advocacy type of person in my own work and life, but I feel like it's just a part of who I am, these things that I do that, and I do feel that it's very important and valuable to share that with others, you know, and I really hope that me and my small life, <laughs> you know, if it inspires anyone else to be active and fit or try something new, try a new adventure, that would absolutely make me happier than ever. And whether that's physical activity or travel or any of those things, they're all confidence builders, right? All of these experiences that I've had, you know, a lot of people say this after racing iron distance triathlons, and it's very true. It's very true for me with travel as well. And with the the first adventure that I did on a bike in Central America. I mean, it made me feel like I can do anything because I can. There's ways to work through challenges and fear and unknowns. And I think that the more you push yourself physically and mentally to do those things, the more and more capable and confident you become. And you really take ownership of your own life that way and your own health and your own happiness. Yeah, exactly. And and I hereby anoint you an official Active Towns activity ambassador. Being out there, being conspicuous and going about your daily life as an active person and doing so in such a way where you're smiling and you're waving and you're happy, people notice that. And so it, it's one of the most important things I think we can do is to realize that when we go out and live our life and really be the change that we'd like to see in our society, it, it re- helps reinforce that. So thank you so much for doing that. And thank you so much for being a guest here on the Active Towns podcast. Well, thank you again. Thanks for having me. Okay, sign me up. I am so ready to get back to exploring once it is safe to do so. Don't forget to check out the photos and links Holly sent along. They're in the show notes on our website at activetowns.org. 
Thank you so much for listening, everyone. As a final reminder, don't hesitate to drop me a line if you have any suggested guests, future topics in mind, or just to say, hey, it's always so wonderful to hear from you. My email is john at activetowns.org. That's john, J-O-H-N, at activetowns, that's plural, dot O-R-G. Please stay safe and healthy when you're out and about, getting in a bit of movement. That's all for now. So until next time, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers. Cheers.